Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Today we're going to talk, Drew, about Bills Patriots, Packers Broncos, or a strange game, and then the Sunday night game, Dolphins Eagles, and then close out with our best bets. But let's start in New England. The Bills are eight and a half point favorites over the Patriots. I was a little surprised that this wasn't higher, but I think you like the Patriots, don't you? Yeah, you want me to make a case here? <laughs> Actually, I love these three games that we get to talk about today. I think these are three of my favorite kind of handicaps to really dig into of the entire week. At least they have the most interesting layers, right? Uh, and the Bills-Patriots layer is interesting because <clears throat> the way things have gone since the uh, kind of the epic, uh, you know, you remember that like epic, super cold, uh, super windy game that the Patriots and the Bills played where Bill that Belichick was like, yeah, he's like, I'm going to win the game with back, my quarterback making three pass attempts, right? And, uh, you know, Patriots really kind of put on a master class of defense in that game. Well, since then, it's been pretty much one-way traffic Bills, uh, including maybe one of the most historic or epic beatdowns I've ever seen in a playoff setting with the, uh, <laughs> the Bills basically scoring on every single opportunity they had in that game, uh, maybe even... Uh, you know, outdoing, uh, they basically hit the 100th percentile on a playoff game. Um, so I get why people kind of look at this as like David and Goliath, like a, a bit of a mismatch in terms of quality of, uh, you know, quality of opponent. Um, and I also get why no one has an appetite to bet the Patriots right now. Uh, this is a team that uh, has struggled to find their footing offensively all year. They lost two important defensive players. People have continued to downgrade this defense. Uh, and the Patriots kind of final hurrah betters showed up last week and they bet them <laughs> against the Raiders and they should have t- taken their uh, their money and gone, you know, or they should have taken their tickets to the window and gone home with uh, pockets full of money, in which case there might have been some Patriots support this week. However, the safety at the end of that game flipped that result. And now everybody's like, well, the Patriots are just, uh, you know, atrociously bad. This is the worst team in football, blah, 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 blah. But I have news for you. This is not the worst team in football. Uh, This defense is still relatively good. Uh, The offense is quite poor, uh, but they have also been uh, a little bit shaded based on uh, the quality of opposition. Going up against the Jets, the Saints, and the uh, and the Cowboys already this season. Those are three elite defenses in your six games you played. Um, you know, but, you know, and I and I kind of would mostly point to just the fact that I don't think you can entirely divorce what how you rate the Patriots right now from their preseason prior, which was relatively favorable. This was a team that was like. You know, league average, better than league average by almost every market, you know, every, uh, you know, kind of market maker. 
uh, an average market rating. And, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those teams where if they had an easier schedule, they probably are a playoff team. If they're in the NFC South, they're probably a playoff team. And um, the look ahead market for this particular game was Patriots minus plus two and a half. So they were considered to be under a field goal at home against the mighty Buffalo Bills uh, preseason. And as I look at like what you data and information you've gotten from the Patriots so far this season, None of it's good. I agree with that. But I don't think you can entirely weight the data that you've got in hand and completely ship um, your preseason priors on these guys. And then the flip side of the coin is how do you rate this Buffalo Bills defense? Because the meaningful injuries, as far as I can tell you, are really all on that side of the ball. Um, And, you know, we're going to kind of put aside the fact that Josh Allen is dealing with a shoulder injury. He was a full participant in practice today. He's probably going to be fine. Um, but I think the fact that the defense here for the Buffalo Bills is coming in, that is, they, they really only have one look now. They can they can get pressure with guys like Floyd and Russo, maybe, uh, if they're healthy. And uh, I think you have an improving health situation going on with the Patriots offensive line. Uh, I think in general, the Patriots are a little bit of, um, you know, this, they're a little bit of a divisional dog, you know, rivalry kind of uh, whiff to them as far as being competitive in this game. Um, but mostly I just I can't get to the point where you have degraded the Patriots rating so aggressively relative to their preseason priors while not also kind of reconciling that the Bills are not as good as what they would be if they were at full strength. If this was a full strength Bills team, like probably like, yeah, is eight and a half enough? Um, But it's not full strength and they're not playing especially well offensively right now. Some of the looks that we were expecting, the wrinkles that they were going to give us in terms of the two tight end looks, the rushing attack, a lot of that is sputtering. Some of it is health related. Some of it is, it's just not, doesn't really fit with, um, you know, how they, they are, you know, um, how they're rostered. So I think ultimately the Patriots can keep this close. Uh, I like plus eight and a half. I like a little sprinkle on the Patriots money line because it's just an enormous price. (laughs) And I think there's a decent chance that, you know, Patriots can keep turn this into an ugly game in the wind at home uh, where it's sort of decided by, uh, you know, kind of late game execution in a field goal. Like we're not far removed from the 32nd ranked team in DVOA, the New York Giants, who had no offensive line almost beating the Bills. Like it is should not be kind of out of the range of possibility or out of, you know, kind of a mental calculus to be able to understand that the Bills are a vulnerable team right now. Uh, and while the Patriots have shown you nothing to really make you believe in them this year, I, I'll give it a shot here with these this many points. I think my concern for the Patriots would be one, uh, they have 21 players listed on the injury report, <laughs> which is insane. And look, most of these guys, to be fair, are limited practices, but they have five DNP, some of which I think are important. Uh, and then with the Bills, I think largely comes down to what do you think this defense is now? Because before uh, White and Jones and Milano all went down, this was probably a top five, top six defense in the league. I don't think it's that at the moment, but they do have some guys coming back. And the defense wasn't really the problem against the Giants. It wasn't an amazing performance, but you know the Giants scored nine points. Probably should have been at least 12 uh, or, or 15. But the issue against the Giants was on offense. And you have this idea that, well, the Bills, they're just so banged up now that that's why the game against the Giants was close. Well, they don't have any injuries on the offense. The offense is fully healthy. And the offense was all world for the first month. And I think they just had a weird game against the Jags in London where they were going up against the team that had already been there for a week and they just couldn't convert third downs randomly. Outside of that, the underlying stuff against Jacksonville was fine. 
And then they had weird turnovers and a missed field goal and Kyle Allen took a snap and I think they like they traveled 16 hours in a week and they go from the 9.30 a.m. Eastern kickoff against the Jags to the night game against the Giants. And there's just a lot of weirdness swelling around the team over the past couple of weeks. So I think that the offense will be fine and it's going to be a top five offense going forward. It's just a matter of the defense. Is this like the... 11th best defense or is it more like the 18th best defense and I think that is what we're going to figure out uh in terms of downgrading the Patriots from their preseason rating obviously they do get downgraded because they've been terrible and Judon and Christian Gonzalez aren't coming back I think the issue is is that coming into the season Mac Jones would be projected as like the 19th 20th best quarterback in the NFL and he's been bottom five I would say to this point I think the offensive line has been even worse than expected. And they just haven't got anything out of the receivers. Like Juju Smith-Schuster was the number one receiver for a Super Bowl team last year. And he wasn't great, but he was still, you know, functional. And with the Super Bowl on the line, Patrick Mahomes kept on going to Juju Smith-Schuster. And now he's just completely unplayable uh, due to health, due to going from Patrick Mahomes to Mac Jones. Who knows? Uh, so I think that... The Pats, while I agree this is a massive adjustment from the preseason expectation, six points, considering all the Bills' injuries, I do think the Bills are going to be able to score against this defense, and I'm not sure that the Patriots in their current state uh, are going to be able to keep up against the Bills' team that has now spent two weeks in America uh, and should be a little more refreshed. But, yeah, I don't really know what to make of this game. Do you have any lean on the total of 40 flat? Uh, lean over just because I, in the back of my mind, uh, it does spook me that the Bills are going to look like the Bills and score 31, in which case I'm like, get to 23. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that that's uh, that sounds like an ask because the Patriots have scored 20 once this year and it was week one. <laughs> and yes, you're right. They are. Right. Uh, I will note, though, that, uh, you know, with, with Trent Brown, that Trent Brown is kind of the injury that I'm have circled the most because he is a good he still is a good tackle. Um, and again, like he does neutralize the one strength that I am concerned about on the Buffalo Bills defense, at least as currently rostered. And so um, if you can give Mac Jones a modicum of time in this one, I do think you have advantages over the secondary right now. Kyrie Elam is hurting and he has been poor in uh, in replacement minutes for um, uh, Trey White. So, um, you know, this is a, a wildly low total if you are scratching your head as to how it could be this low. Uh, there is wind expected. Um, it's not beyond the threshold where you're saying autoplay the under. Um, and But people have. Like, this has been bet down because people are expecting this to be a bad weather game. Um, I think if the weather is not especially concerning, come Sunday and if Trent Brown looks like he is good to go again he's been upgraded from DNP to limited participant um, you know at that point I think uh, you know you're you're looking for an over potentially in, in the hopes that uh, Patriots can go score for score if this game lands in the 20s for each team then this is going to clear 40 pretty easily yep I uh, am on board with that all right before we get to Packers Broncos weird game NBA season tips off next week but there's still time to get some last minute cramming for your fantasy drafts got you covered with the road to world basketball draft guide which includes all the rankings player outlooks and projections you need to win your league this year go to NBCSports.com to get your draft guide now and use code hoops 23 to save 20% off and receive a $10 fanatics e gift card and as the NBA season tips off next week we'll talk a little NBA 
each day. There's a lot cooking uh, on that front. Uh, looking forward to talking about it. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Looking forward to talking uh, Packers minus one at Broncos, total 45 in that one. I think these are two of the stranger teams to handicap just because the Broncos have been so wildly departed from preseason expectations with the defense being so horrific, the worst pass defense in the league. And that's skewed a little bit by the opposition they've come up against and, you know, giving up 70 in a game will tend to skew your overall numbers. And then the Packers, who have Jordan Love, who the last time we saw him looked absolutely atrocious. The last couple of times we've seen him, really. Now mm-hmm. he is a favorite on the road. Uh, do you agree that the Packers should be favored here, Drew? I don't. Uh, I think this is Broncos as, as the side. And actually, really, the market entirely, the way it's moved from open is telling you that not only are the Packers the right side, but the over is the right side, which means that there's somebody out there with confidence that this is going to be the game that the Packers offense breaks out. Okay, I get it. Uh, every EPA per play chart that you find with the Broncos has them at the lower left corner on defense because they have had some appallingly poor performances so far this season. I will excuse them almost entirely because some of, so much of that data is skewed by uh, the Dolphins game in particular. And then beyond that, the games that they were missing Justin Simmons and the game that Justin Simmons was returning from injury, you know, they pretty clear differences to me in terms of uh, how successful the secondary in particular was. Now, they still have huge run-stopping issues but they are starting to get back to full strength on defense overall. And I think that's a huge buy low sign for this Broncos unit because are they a bottom 10 defense? Maybe. Are they a bottom five? I don't think so. Are they a bottom three? As rostered, definitely not, in my opinion. And so I think they'll climb out of the basement here in terms of their uh, their metrics. And again, the preseason number on this was expected to be something like Broncos minus three and a half. Now, if you want to say that you've downgraded the Broncos offense relative to a preseason expectation, I'm not stopping you. Like that is completely fair. Like these guys have had opportunities and opportunities and opportunities to prove that Sean Payton has the answers and Russell Wilson is failing lots of, lots of key tests. And I think that there are plenty of reasons to be concerned again about uh, Broncos being able to go score for score if the Packers offense shows up here. Now, my personal ratings for Jordan Love are very poor. Uh, watching the film and seeing that he has wide receivers who are creating separation. He has all of the time in the world with an offensive line that is giving him time. And yet he is still wildly overthrowing, missing, misreading uh, as he is in the pocket, in clean pockets, in neutral game states. These are huge, huge red flags that he is not, the game is not slowing down for him to this point. Uh, his best play in the uh, game against the Raiders was his scramble for 25, 30 yards. And, you know, maybe they use the, uh, um, maybe they use the bye week effectively to kind of really review the tape on Jordan love and figure out, you know, Matt LaFleur is a smart guy. He's a good coach, a good offensive mind. Maybe he uses that time to come into this game with an approach that, you know, really leans into his strengths, but 
I got to be honest with you with the tape I've seen, I don't know what his strengths are. Like the, uh, the best plays, every one of them is seems fluky, right? All of his EP positive EPA per play stuff is bumped up by uh, yards after the catch. Aaron Jones, you know, catch and scramble against the bears is kind of like the pinnacle example of that. So um, I'm out on this Packers team until they prove something more effectively. Uh, and I think, um, you know, the, the support for the, you know, Packers could be coming from the potential availability of Aaron Jones. He's obviously a guy that really matters for them, especially if uh, the Broncos running defense remains unfixed. Um, however, I would, uh, I would like to see uh, a more competitive effort here from a Broncos team that I think uh, should be at least a pick uh, if not a small favorite, at least, uh, you know, and, you know, I may be stuck a little bit too much on my preseason rating for both of these teams. It's entirely possible, but um, worth noting that, uh, you know, J.R. Alexander uh, had to miss some of practice today and he is limited. Uh, and if he doesn't go, then, you know, you're going to have some potential mismatches against the secondary there. So um, tough for me to say that this is a high confidence look in any way, shape or form. But uh, I think the Broncos uh, ought to be the side in this one and uh, against the market to a degree as they uh, continue to take Packers money. Yeah, I agree with you there. The one pushback would be that there is a chance that the Packers' defense is relatively good. They are much healthier, I think, coming out of the bye. The Broncos also come off extended rest, though, having played on Thursday. I think Love is one of the more confounding quarterbacks in the league. Like, he's 15th in APA per dropback right now, which is better than Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, but his PFF grade right now is 25th out of 33 uh, quarterbacks. Yeah, and I see more to PFF. Yeah. Uh, his QBR is 23rd in the league. He's completing that's... less than 56% of his passes. Yeah. And yeah, just when I watch Jordan Love, he doesn't look very good. He makes, mm-hmm. he screws up regulation throws. He throws baffling interceptions. And I think that a lot of his perception is skewed by the fact that he came back against Jameis Winston in Green Bay (laughs) and won that game. That was largely with his legs at the end. And I think that his strength is that he's athletic uh, and he can add value with his legs and he has has arm talent but just doesn't seem to all be there. We'll see. Him coming out of the bye, uh, two quarterbacks coming out of the bye, I I think it would be very interesting to see what Jordan Love looks like and what Kenny Pickett looks like. Sure. If they both look bad coming out of the bye, then I think it's almost time to just put a fork in them for this season. Yeah. They are yeah. not very good today. I, I'm, I, th- I think that was all very fair commentary. Uh, the only thing that really had me believing in Jordan Love was the fact that the Packers basically made this bet on him. So I kind of assumed that they had seen something in practice or in, you know, in, in off-season reps that I didn't. Um and so far, it's not materializing on the field. The game just looks like it's going too fast for him so far. And that's yeah. something that you can grow into. Like, more reps, you know, like, they made this bet. Like, he's got this year. He They probably made this bet as a two-year bet, right? Like, he's going to get this full year to prove it. And then, you know, next season, they. I don't exactly know how you pivot off of this decision-making considering you've already kind of, you know, hit that midway point in terms of giving him a deal for next year. But um, it's a... Uh, it, to to this point in the season, it's not working, and I, I don't know that that's going to turn around on a dime in a uh, on a on a bye week. And I just wanted to kind of bring your, uh, this up and see if you have any thoughts. This was not part of my handicap. This is just sort of something I saw, and I was kind of like, hmm, I wonder if there's something there. And you tell me one way or the other. But teams that are coming off of their bye, 
since they changed the collective bargaining agreement and you weren't able to use that first week as actual prep, that you, know, you literally just have to send your guys home, right? Like since they made that change in the bargaining agreement, teams that are coming off of the mini buy who played Thursday and get a couple extra days rest, but are kind of the team is all together are 11 and seven against teams coming off of a full buy, right? So the, they're at a rest disadvantage by a few days, but it seems that at least for whatever reason, the, maybe the extra days of prep have helped uh, the team on the mini buy um, and or the buy itself is overpriced. The uh, average misfit here in terms of spread is almost two points. Um, so it's that there may be something there where it's just the mechanisms of how you are even able to use your time uh, to try to develop players uh, could fall flat. And uh, I think we're going to learn that this week with both the guys you mentioned. Yeah, I think like, I think that makes sense that having 10 days of fully engaged practice and preparation would hold you in good stead against the team that's just completely taken one week off. I think that that's a reasonable way to look at things. Just when you mentioned about Jordan Love and the fact that the Packers chose him as their guy, I think it's hugely valuable to kind of draw inferences from institutional decisions like that. I think this one is different to say what San Francisco did with Brock Purdy because they had no draft capital investment in Purdy. He was literally the last pick in the draft, and Kyle Shanahan saw enough in him to give up on the number three pick in the draft, who was made by him and his management, the same management. So that, to me, was a massive sign that Purdy is going to be good, or at least that the Niners believe that he's Believed going it, to be right. good. With Jordan Love, like they spent a first-round pick on him, I think they were kind of sick of Aaron Rodgers anyway, who's heading towards 40. <laughs> that, really, that had run its course. And I'm not sure okay. I would read as much into, you know, the okay. pack that chose Jordan Love as their guy, thus he is good. Or at least I don't think it's as strong of an indicator as what the Niners did with Purdy, for instance. Okay. So they uh, they didn't exercise Love's fifth-year option. That's important. Uh, instead, they kind of negotiated the little halfway deal, right? Yeah. And at the time, it was like, well, that's prudent because you don't have any data on the guy, right? But at the same time, like if you had some kind of inkling that this wasn't the guy, but you still wanted to move off, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, then you just roll the dice and you make him play out his fourth year and then you'd franchise him if he does well. So <laughs> I was kind of, I, I did read some signal into it, but your point is absolutely fair. Like the signal you should take away from the Niners electing to go with the direction of Brock Purdy is much stronger signal. <laughs> yeah, indeed. All right, before we get to Dolphins, Eagles uh, and a handicap of it, Reminder, that is the game this Sunday night, Drew, between two mm. of the NFL's most explosive offenses. So they meet in Philadelphia when the high-flying Dolphins take on the Eagles. Get ready for it. Could be a shootout at 7 p.m. Eastern only on NBC and Peacock. Lines started to trend a little bit towards the Dolphins a couple of days ago. Now it's back to Eagles minus mm. two and a half, likely off of a pretty encouraging uh, practice injury report for the Eagles. The total is 51 and a half. What do you make of this one? Yeah, great game. <laughs> Finally. certainly. <laughs> yeah, although can you ask for a more entertaining ending? Right. <laughs> I mean, great oh. 15 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Red game, yeah. <laughs> as good as you could ask for. Came down to the last play, Jay. Why, why don't teams, <laughs> if in that situation with an untimed down at the one, you yeah. should just commit defensive 
policy interference every, every single time. Like, yeah, know, obviously. Yeah. Just wait, make them just say, fine, we give up. No, you're no That's flag this cool. time. You have to call a running play in that situation, don't you? Like, it's, <laughs> I, I don't Anyway, yeah, we agree. Um, okay, so many, so many different ways to attack this one. Um, I, uh, I, I think my favorite, um, you know, or at least my, uh, my two favorite pillars here to start a handicap are number one. Um, this is a big step up in competition for the Dolphins and a big step up in um, just in general setting and you know importance of a game. Right, they've been playing largely. You know, other than the Bills game, which was, you know, a road game, but, you know, they didn't have a ton to prove. They were being talked about as the best team in the NFL. Like, you know, that was a little bit of a low, lower stakes game than it probably ought to have been for them. Um, and they played lots of, you know, home games, good weather games, 80, 70, 80 degrees, you know, you know, uh, a couple of games that were just outrageously positive game states, and then a couple of games that have uh, they've had to you know come back against bad teams. Right, this is an entirely different beast. You're going into uh, the link and prime time uh, on a Sunday night, and you have uh, you know potential for wind, definitely some colder weather than they have been playing in, uh, and this is now like the lights are on, and you you know you are being tested against you know uh, last year's. Uh, runner-up NFC champion. Like this is a, a big, big, big step up in terms of competition, as far as I see it. Um, and then to make matters more interesting, uh, you're going into this game uh, with a t- you know against a team that has a pretty discernible advantage, in my opinion, with their D line against your offensive line. Right. So the question about the Dolphins and how they approach this game is, you know, do we adjust away from what has worked for us offensively? in a way that kind of tries to hide maybe our inefficiencies with, you know, or at least our vulnerabilities uh, on the, in the trenches. I think basically every team that plays the Eagles all season long is going to have to ask themselves these questions because I don't think there's a single team in the NFL that has an advantage in the trenches on both sides of the balls over the Eagles. The Eagles are just, that's how they're built. That's where their strength is. You just have to adapt to it in your game plan for them. So, I don't exactly see the Dolphins being able to come in with a a totally brand new identity that is as effective as we have seen offensively, considering the mismatch in the trenches for their offensive line against the Eagles D-line. That said, uh, the Eagles, on the other hand, can play with a positive game state, I think, very effectively in this contest because their rushing attack should be able to absolutely embarrass this Dolphins run defense, which number one, Fangio has plays with a lighter boxes, more, you know, more defensive backs on the field, more shell coverages, uh, trying to take away the, uh, the explosive plays. And that's important against this Eagles team that has game breaking wide receivers. Uh, but it is to me, at least, uh, you know, a good sign that the Eagles are going to be able to, um, kind of matriculate at will. Uh, and, that I think sets up a pretty fragile game state here for the Dolphins, where if they find themselves at a one or even you know two score disadvantage at any point in this game, I think it's over. And the fact that there is sort of a tail for Eagles to be able to you know kind of generate and nurse a lead and put this game away comfortably, uh, that completely spooks me away from any kind of optimism that the uh, the Dolphins are a good bet uh, at the current price of two and a half. Now, if the Dolphins can play from ahead. Do they have enough strength in their defensive line and enough, you know, enough uh, talent in their secondary to keep the Eagles from coming back? It's possible. We have not seen amazing play out of Jalen Hurts this season. 
It's been a step backwards, if we're being completely honest. And I think there is starting to become a little bit of a book on what you do to stop Jalen Hurts. If you can get him off of his space, if you can get him out off of the spot he wants to operate from and throw the football from, he's not as accurate. He's not as effective. He throws the ball out of the bounds at a pretty absurd clip, right? And so that's kind of, I think, a known because, yeah, you know, Vic Fangio, obviously, assistant. <laughs> for the Eagles last year was kind of responsible for cooking up week in, week out. If I had those defensive personnel, this is how I would construct a game plan to stop you. So like he's spent 20 weeks thinking exactly how he would go about stopping Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. And I think, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a premium and a little bit of uh, an importance on his D line getting, uh, you know, whatever, crack in the wall they can get uh, in order to move Hertz off of his spot, force him out of the pocket, put him on the run, not on the run in terms of design runs where he's, you know, is still relatively effective, but put him on the run where he's bootlegging and things like that, where he just ultimately throw, chooses to throw it out of the bound or bounds or, you know, forces a pick if it's in the red zone. So um, there are warning signs, certainly, with the Eagles in this game. Um, but I think fundamentally the fact that half of the game states that I can conceive of in my head do point to either the Eagles having an opportunity to come back or being able to play from with a lead uh, and put away a game pretty comfortably. All that kind of points me in the direction of the Eagles here. Uh, I think there's a pretty clear correlation where Eagles win and cover and this stays well under 51 and a half because the game just gets shorter. And then I think the opposite is true where if the Dolphins are scoring first, if the Dolphins are playing from ahead, uh, this thing could absolutely fly over 51 and a half. So it's going to be a really fun game either way. I'm excited to see how it plays out. And I think ultimately I'm, I'm curious, specifically your thoughts here is, is this as high a leverage game for Dolphins, Dolphins futures as it feels like? I think so, because if the Dolphins win this game, then all of a sudden two is your MVP f favorite, potentially by a little bit of margin. Uh, Mike McDaniels, the clear coach of the year favorite, Tyreek Hill, I don't think it matters so much for his offensive player of the year candidacy. That'll depend more on his individual stats. But all of a sudden they become very clear favorites for their division more so than they are now. To me, this game is more interesting in a way from the Philadelphia side because I feel like the Dolphins... You know, they're going to score in this game. Like, I don't think that you can really stop this Miami offense. Do you can maybe mitigate the damage to some degree, but Miami should be able to score here. Miami's weakness and what really, I think, prevents them from being, you know, at the level of a full strength San Francisco or at the level of a full strength before all the injuries Buffalo is that their cornerbacks have just been terrible. Uh, and Jalen Ramsey is coming back, and we'll see what capacity he has. But the corners to this point have not been good at all. Xavier Howard is not the guy that he was two years ago. Eli Apple is not – he is the guy that he was two years ago. He's still not very good. He's not been very good for a long time, maybe ever. Uh, and so to me, this game is all about Jalen Hurts, who was atrocious against New York with the decisions that he made to lose that game a week ago. And if Jalen Hurts is the guy that he was in the Super Bowl and for most of the last season, then the Eagles should win this game uh, at home uh, with the advantages they have at the line and with their wide receivers going up against Miami's corners. If Hurts is the guy that he's been pretty much for all this year, like Hurts has thrown seven picks already, had six all of last season. The big red flag. I'm not sure about if that's adjusting to the new offense of Shane Steichen not being there, but I mean it's largely the same offense. He's just not seeming to play as well. I'm not sure if he's still dealing with the shoulder or whatever. But 
to me, this game is about Jalen Hurts because he's the guy who, you know, takes them from being a team that's a two or a three seed and loses in the NFC title game to a team that can win the Super Bowl. So that's what I'm looking for here. I don't really know what to expect out of him. Uh, I'm not surprised that the line is where it is just because the Eagles practice report was so positive. Looks like Lane Johnson will go. Devontae Smith had a hiccup. It looks like he will go as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm ready for anything in this game. You tell me the Eagles win this in the same manner that the Bills blew out the Dolphins, not surprised. Tell me the Dolphins just completely blow them off the park, not that surprised either based on the fragility that the Eagles have shown. So, uh, yeah, I would lean Eagles by a little bit, but not with a great deal of confidence. But uh, I believe you do have a great deal of confidence, Drew. This is your best bet. Yeah. Uh, if And you kind of led me right into this. Um, Jalen Hurts, when the lights are bright, particularly at home, he's been superb. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so if that's what it comes down to, that we need good Jalen Hurts to show up, I've got enough signal to say that is likely to happen. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, I, but the game state that I'm going to be the most comfortable with, obviously, as a person who's laying two and a half, <laughs> is if they could get out to a lead, if they could have that classic sort of second quarter kind of, you know, dominant 15 minutes where they score a couple touchdowns and come up with a couple key stops, uh, I think this game could feel real short. And I think it could feel real like, wow, the Dolphins were not ready for that environment. The Dolphins were not ready for that atmosphere. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe the the questions start to swirl about, I mean, a second loss for the Dolphins against an elite team this year. And you're going to hear the same questions when they play the Chiefs, when they play every other good team that is left on their schedule. It's going to come up again and again and again. Like, are they just a team that can beat up on the chumps or are they a team that can go toe to toe with the elite? And uh, this is a this, this is a fun, huge high leverage game. And I think the experience and the, uh, the the home field advantage is being a little bit underpriced for the Eagles. So happy to lay the two and a half. Yeah. Also with the Dolphins, basically since the second half of last season, only including games that two are played, they've had four big tests and they've lost all of them. At San Francisco, at Chargers, at Buffalo, three weeks in a row last year, they lose all of those games. To be fair, they held themselves well in that Buffalo game in the snow, but they lost the game. And then they had one test this year, one big test, and they lost 48-20 to to Buffalo. So there is a chance that this team... I'm really interested to see just what they look like with Jalen Ramsey, if it's, you know, Jalen Ramsey and he's fully healthy after the torn meniscus. Because if he he might just transform that defense with the talent that they already have at D-line with how their safeties are playing, but he's not going to be playing Sunday night. So uh, I agree that it seems to be skewing Philadelphia. All right, before we get to my best bet, a reminder, Saturday, October 21st at 11 a.m. Eastern, Vaughn Dalzell, Brad Thomas, and Eric Froton are answering your college football betting questions for week eight, including a huge Big Ten matchup between number three, Ohio State, and seventh-ranked Penn State at the Horseshoe, as well as another chapter in the story of rivalry of Michigan v. Michigan State. There'll be some bad blood in that one, which kicks off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC and Peacock. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Selling smoothies is what I do. But for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. 
He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. Yeah, some familiarity between those two teams. You wonder if, uh, if Michigan knows what Michigan State's going to want to be doing uh, out there. That they've got an inside look at some of their calls. Maybe that's why they're 24-point <laughs> favorites over the big almighty Spartans. All right, I'm going with another favorite. Not quite 24 points, but I'm taking the Chiefs to five and a half I as it. my best Love bet it. home to the Chargers. I don't understand why this line isn't uh, six, six and a half, pushing towards seven. Uh, the Chargers coming off a short week against the Chiefs, well-rested, having played on the Thursday. And what I come back to in this game is that the Chargers' pass defense has been the fourth worst in the NFL to date. Dak Prescott had his best game in a long time against them on Monday night. And I just think of the way that Dallas moved the ball with ease through the air. That does not bode well for the Chargers on a short week coming uh, up against Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead. We're now with the missing piece, Nicole Hardman, back in the picture. Uh, so I say that facetiously, but I do think Nicole Hardman will help them. Just less Sky Moore, more Nicole Hardman should be a benefit. And then quietly, the Chiefs on the other side in a game where the Chargers will almost certainly need to be throwing a good chunk. Chiefs have the third best pass defense in the league this year, only behind the Browns and the 49ers. They have, they're have getting very strong corner play. Chris Jones is playing at a defensive player of the year level and is a, kind of a stealth candidate for that award. Uh, but I think that Herbert as well with the finger that he seemed to be favoring and just that the pass offense seems to be so much Justin Herbert, put your cape on, very dependent on Keenan Allen. They just didn't seem to have a lot of variety in the offense against Dallas. And now they go up against a really strong pass defense again. In a game where if the Chiefs win, like that's bye-bye AFC West. Chargers aren't coming back uh, from that deficit in that division if Mahomes stays healthy. So uh, I think this line should be a little bit bigger. And I'm taking the Chiefs minus five and a half. What do you think? Yep, love it. I'm with you. My fair here is seven. Terrible spot uh, with the Chiefs getting extra rest and the Chargers coming off a Monday Night Football game and having to travel. Um, this doesn't ever play out well for the uh, the road team in this spot. Um, and ultimately, I think uh, the matchup advantages all check Chiefs for me. Uh, the reason I, I, I struggle to find a reason that the market has been a little bit two-way here. Um, sure, you've seen it, but there's definitely been clearer you know, uh, push pull at around five and a half, which why there, that's the number we want to fight over. I don't know, but, uh, this is, uh, this has been two a action so far in the week. And I I'm assuming that people are kind of looking at the history of in division between these two teams in the Herbert Mahomes era. These games are always relatively closely contested and maybe people are just assuming that that will continue. Um, I personally think that, uh, the chargers are, um, being overrated uh, by market in terms of their offense. If you look at uh, any kind of public, you know, you know, market-based rating right now, they're telling you that the uh, Chargers are something like a top ten offense. In the absence of their center, Chris Lindsley, in the absence of Mike Williams, this is not a top ten offense right now, and they're going up against their toughest test, in my opinion, in terms of coverage with this Chiefs defense right now. And uh, I think this could get away from them pretty quickly. Yep, we're on the same page. Uh, and a reminder that people can go back 
through past shows in our podcast feed and on YouTube for handicaps of all the other NFL games this week. But for now, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those watching on the NBC Sports channel. As always, please rate and subscribe if you're listening to us in podcast form. And a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, good luck this weekend and we'll speak to you next week. Cheers. Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm. That's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at Fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Selling smoothies is what I do. But for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.